What an appropriate intro music for today's topic. Now that the dust has settled, it's time for us to zoom in on the 93rd Academy Awards. At the start of this week, we got historic results at the Oscars, a big win for diversity. But why did it take nearly a century for Hollywood to get here? And is the shift permanent? And of course, let's talk about a few of those landmark wins. To provide an insider perspective, we're joined via Zoom by film director Eugene Swen. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning to you, TGIF. <laughs> TGIF, indeed. All right. The world has been charmed off our feet by veteran actress Yoon Yeo-jung. There's a lot of buzz around Nomadland's historic win. And, of course, the hopes that Oscars has finally responded to the Oscars so white criticism, right? No pressure, right. Eugene. Um, but what would be your one-sentence summary of the 93rd Academy Awards? Only one sentence. Um, <laughs> it's funny. If we're talking about the ceremony itself, I would say it was actually, it was quite innovative, actually, because this year, due to COVID, they had to really size it down. And uh, I thought it was experimental. It was interesting, mm. even though there were some uneven parts to it. But it was, it was a good ceremony, I thought. I mean, the some... awards results... Oh, go ahead. No, no. I mean, because I, th I thought some parts were a little bit rough around the edges. I mean, given the scale of the Academy, I, I, I mean, maybe the, the climatic moment could have been, you know, better produced. But nonetheless, given the circumstances, you're right. It was still a pretty amazing affair. Yeah, exactly. Because I think there are just so many ways it could have gone wrong. But I think for the <laughs> most part, I think they kept it afloat. People seem to be having a good time. Yeah. The camera angle was fairly precise. And uh, Steven Soderbergh, of course, uh, one of the great uh, Hollywood directors who was also one of the producers uh, of the ceremony. I thought he tried to do something in very innovative. Mm. And by and large, he succeeded. And what about the awards? The awards, uh, it's pretty remarkable because obviously diversity is the is the big thing this year. And I think by and large, the results were quite remarkable, mm -hmm. both in terms of uh, the, 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 the diversity, the range of talents they mm -hmm. honored, but also uh, I think just how worthy the winners were, because mm -hmm. I think usually people would, you know, gripe about the results, you know, th why did this film win? Why did that actor get snubbed? Mm. Uh, for the most part, I thought these were very worthy winners. And mm. we can go into details more about who the winners were. But uh, by and large, I think uh, the consensus was that uh, this was a very good year for the Academy Awards. As far as diversity is concerned. But on the flip side, I do think Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor did get a little bit of criticism, yeah? It did. I think just because, uh, of course, uh, Chadwick uh, Boseman, who had won all the major precursors and who, mm. of course, died at the age of 43 last year uh, due to cancer. I think a lot of people were hoping that this would be the last chance to honor him and mm. because he gave such a remarkable performance. And I think that was the kind of the upset that uh, that mm. a lot of people were alluding to. I think out of what was otherwise a very smoothly run festival, at the very end, uh, you know, you ended with this kind of unexpected anti-climax, which was Anthony Hopkins, uh, Anthony Hopkins winning. Uh, <laughs> and then it very abruptly just kind of you know, ended that way. So people were not too happy about that. Just like our radio segment today, it is a live show after all, guys. Let's give the Academy a break. <laughs> exactly. We'll give them some breaks. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the historic win for actress Yoon Yeo-jung. For anyone who loves South Korean films and, and is someone who's been watching South Korean movies for years, we knew that Yoon Yeo-jung was a capable actress. That's kind of an understatement. She also led a pretty uh, dynamic life. But I do think the world came to know her on a different scale with her role in Minari. So from the perspective of a director... What do you think is the biggest charm of this actress? I think you imagine, of course, she's been a legend in South Korean cinema for you know the past 50 years, really. Yeah. And uh, I think what makes her remarkable as a performer, I think above 
anything else for me is really her fearlessness. I think mm -hmm. how adventurous she is in terms of the 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 rules that she takes on. But in this particular film, Minari, of course, uh, she, I think, just gave such a dynamic performance. I think a lot of people talk about the fact that it's a very unconventional grandma that she's playing. She's very <laughs> acerbic, very sarcastic, and uh, very no-nonsense. And I think all of those things are true. But I think, you know, that particular trope could have easily been just a shtick, could be a cliche. But mm -hmm. I think what made her remarkable was the fact that it also was a very layered performance at the same time. It's mm -hmm. very emotional mm -hmm. it's very uh, dynamic and over the course of the film you really see her transformation from mm -hmm. being this very kind of funny grandma to uh, i mean you see the emotional uh, essence of who she is as a person and then of course without spoiling the film things happen later on in the movie that takes a tragic turn uh, and, uh, and she really conveys that term very beautifully. Uh, from a few interviews I've read, I understand the director, Lee Isaac Chung, did give a lot of freedom uh, for actor Shin Yo-jong to convey these emotions in a dynamic way. I mean, I'm sure there was a pretty detailed script. I haven't had access to the script, but there was a lot of uh, scenes that were ad-libbed or added upon. That's correct, because uh, Lee Isaac Chung, uh, he wrote the script, uh, you know, it's a cinema-autobiographical film, mm -hmm. and this character was really based on his own grandma. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think initially, you know, there were talks, I think, between Yuna John and Isaac about whether or not, uh, you know, the, the, the performance should be modeled on Isaac's real grandma. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think Isaac is, is, such, is, a, is a director who really gives a lot of freedom to his uh, actors and he's very collaborative in that sense so he really just told Yun Ya-jeon you should just kind of play this in a way that you see fit and of course I think uh, Yun Ya-jeon really brought a lot of her own personality to bear <laughs> on the character and I think that's also what made her such a standout during the award season because she is such an authentic <laughs> honest person I mean we saw that a little bit of that during the award ceremony itself as well she just doesn't give a crap I mean that's kind of her personality and I think yeah. that really charmed a lot of people you know and that's authentically exactly who she is who she's been who she's identified as for years, decades of her careers, right? And so her speech was so memorable. But going back to uh, the movie Minari, which scene, without giving away, I guess, too much about the movie, uh, which scene featuring Yoon Yo-jong was the most memorable for you as a director? There are so many great scenes, but I think for me... Uh... You know, without you know, I'll I'll just I'll, I'll pick a scene that doesn't spoil much mm -hmm. of anything. I think it's 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 it, the relationship between her and David, the mm -hmm. grandson. That is really one of the central relationships of the movie, and you can even argue that that is the emotional core of the film in terms of the undercurrent that runs throughout the entire movie. So for me, it's it's the scene uh, by the pond when they are talking about you know planting Minari. I th I think that. Obviously, it's the symbolic heart of the film, but also, you know, the affection that she has, I think the joy she has, the enthusiasm she has as this very unpretentious, unconventional grandma. Uh, who doesn't for bake me, cookies. Who doesn't bake cookies, who's, who cusses, who watches wrestling. And there's so many good things, you know, in, in that department, too. So there's so many to choose from. Uh, and, and you can pick any one of them and be dazzled by what she did. But mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think the sort of the, the, the gradual bonding that happens between her and David uh, by the pond, that was very touching for me. You know, there are a lot of small scenes that are, that are so subtle that you think, oh, that happens so naturally, but you think about it. And, and it's such detail, like the scene where, uh, <laughs> am I giving away too much? Actress Yoon Yo-jong is seen, uh, I think, biting into a chestnut or, or some kind of food, and, and she, yes. she gives it to uh, <laughs> David's character. And you think, yuck. But at the same time, if you grew up with a Korean grandma, at the time that wouldn't be so strange yeah exactly because i think that was you know that's the the meeting the, that that particular scene takes place soon after yeah. uh, their initial meeting and yeah. that's when they're still kind of getting acquainted 
with one another. And I, I, that was a great scene, just the reaction <laughs> from David, like what she does. But I think also subsequently, the fact that, uh, you know, she, you know, like them having to share a room and mm. she just becoming a, basically in his eyes, she's this annoyance, the source of you know frustration for him and how mm. that relationship changes, I think was, uh, they did it a beautifully. We really didn't give away a lot, uh, listeners. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, this movie is so beautifully created. I think you need to give it a fair try before looking at all the reviews. It's better if you haven't actually read through all the reviews, I think. Um, there was so much hype Sorry. around the movie, and that's excellent. But at the same time, I think it does ruin the experience for some moviegoers, right? Okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, there are plenty of labels to describe the film Minari, an immigration story, search for maybe an Asian-American identity, uh, being amongst them, the importance of family, too. What do you think is the most important message viewers should take away from the movie? I think ultimately this is really a movie about family. And uh, I think what Isaac, the Isaac Chandler director, writer, I think he really tried to create uh, an emotional experience. I think that would really allow the viewers to look deeply within themselves about kind of what it means to be a human being, what it means to be in relationship with others. Uh, and I think, you know, the movie, it's not the kind of movie that, you know, can be so easily uh, condensed into like a set of messages or propositions. But I think ultimately what you walk away from it is that you, you feel a renewal sense of life, mm -hmm. a, a, a renewal sense of appreciation for your loved ones, despite whatever differences there might be, despite whatever wounds and traumas there might be, I think love and the family bond, those things are greater than anything else. And that's kind of a universal theme and perhaps even the reason why most of us live anyhow, which is why maybe this movie was identified by many people as touching and, and, and moving and it, it got to people, yeah? Yeah, I think despite the fact that, you know, mm. you know we can talk about the, the, soci the sociological aspect of the film, this yeah. being an Asian-American film that takes place in Arkansas, in the American South. But I think the reason why it resonated with so many people, I think, is because it is universal. Mm. In its specificity, there's universality. I think what really works and what touches people above anything else is how beautifully and how dynamically it portrays human relationship. And that's something that anyone can relate to. You actually have a close personal relationship with United Director Lee Isaac Chung. And I also saw your recent tweet about the LA Times article. Um, you produced another Lee Isaac Chung film, Abigail Harm, in 2012. So uh, I, I'm going to <laughs> ask you to talk a little bit about that relationship. Uh, have you spoken to him since the Oscars? I, I have. So Isaac is a very close, very close friend, a very close colleague. So we, we collaborate and, and work on different projects. And mm. he is, uh, I, I think, still kind of recovering from the whole experience. <laughs> uh, I think the whole thing was just so surreal for him because he really started out writing what he thought was a very personal, very intimate film. So anything that happened subsequently with the, all the awards attention, the box office, uh, that was just beyond his wildest imagination. So it was a surreal experience for him going mm -hmm. to the Oscars. And of course, award season for anyone who knows anything about it, it's really like running an election campaign. <laughs> you're just you're just doing interviews nonstop. You have to talk to people. You have to kiss babies. You do things like that. Uh, <laughs> During so the now pandemic? That's, well, not this time around. <laughs> Maybe digitally over Zoom. I don't know. But uh, but in the, in the past, you would have to do things like that. So sure. I, I think it was a, several months of just full time doing that. So I think he's in a way, probably also happy that it's come to an end. But uh, above all else, he's just he's grateful about about what happened. Can I ask you a little bit more? I suppose a personal question. Um, you've collaborated with him a number of occasions. So, what is he like on set as a director? He is uh, as you know. I think there's this you know image of uh, of you know a director needing to be someone who like you know screams a lot, who yells, who is very demanding, very controlling. He, he is the exact opposite of that. Uh, on set, he's a, he's he's a very measured, 
deliberate, soft-spoken, thoughtful mm. person. Mm. And that really is who he is as a human being as well. So mm. he gives a lot of room for his collaborators to uh, to do what they need to do. And he conducts uh, his production in a way, I, I think there's just a, a sense of love and a sense of affection and respect for one another. Uh, and also that I think really inspires you to do your best as well. Mm. But uh, I, I think what's remarkable as a longtime friend and collaborator it's just the fact that I think this movie, Minali, I think the reason why it feels so authentic is because it really is him. It's an extension of him as a human being. Mm. He, he's a thoughtful, compassionate, loving person mm. who also has a really great sense of humor, which you might not be able to tell from watching his interviews, but he's, he's hilarious uh, person. And so that all kind of comes through. Uh, in the way he works, but also in this particular film. I'll take your word for it. Uh, and honestly, maybe that's why when actress Tino Song said, you know, she, you know, she extends this, uh, the award that she got as Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars, she extended it to the Minari family and she said they did become a family. Maybe she, that came from the heart too, if Lee Isaac Chung is as you've described him. Yeah, absolutely. Because, mm. uh, you know, uh, you know, I produced uh, his last narrative feature film, Epic of Harm, Epic of Harm, and we also produced, I also produced another documentary of his from 2015 called uh, I Have Seen My Last Born. So on both of those occasions, but also other occasions that I'm aware of, uh, it's true, you just, you walk away feeling like you have uh, created an an outside family, really. Mm. I, th I think it, it is that sense of affection. That is the kind of bond that you do walk away with uh, from from his movie. And I think that's a testament to his ability to create that kind of mm. uh, dynamic relationship on his film set. And he's just a great guy. Earlier, I think your dog was agreeing with you. Uh, was that my dog? Yes, quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Unfortunately, uh, director Isaac Chung did not take home the win for Best Director, but there was enough buzz around the movie Minari, so maybe it's not all about the wins after all. Are there any other films, directors, actors that you believe merit discussion from the 93rd Academy Awards without even a significant win? Uh, I think, uh, obviously, I'm very biased, but I, I really had wished that Isaac, I, I wish he had won uh, the, the screenplay award because mm -hmm. I, I really thought Minari was a, was a beautiful screenplay. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, we, a lot of people talked about uh, Chadwick Boseman already. Uh, I think he would have been a very deserving winner as well. Riz Ahmed, I think, I think the best actor category is just very competitive and mm -hmm. it consists of consists of a lot of wonderful actors. Mm -hmm. So I think Riz Ahmed would have been amazing to to get some kind of recognition. Uh, I would say Marini as a as a whole should have gotten more recognition. And also one movie that uh, was sort of underlooked, uh, uh, overlooked, excuse me, by uh, by the Academy Awards was the the Spike. Lee film, mm. The Five Bloods. I think a lot of people were hoping that uh, the lead actor, uh, Dalroy Lindo, uh, would have gotten the Best Actor nomination, and he didn't. I think the movie is, is kind of messy. It doesn't all work, but it's really quite a compelling and, mm. uh, and stirring film, and I wish it had gotten more attention. All right, I'm going to take this to the beginning of our conversation, a focus on diversity at this year's Oscars. Um, it had been criticized for over many years for largely ignoring the stories of minorities, and this year we saw prominent Asians, including but not limited to Yunya Zhang, Chloe Zhao, Steven Yan, and Riz Ahmed received nominations. And this is against the backdrop of increasing uh, Asian hate crimes throughout the United States. So it was important timing. Uh, what do you think of these nominations? Uh, did the Academy get them right this year? I think by and large, they did. Uh, I think, you know, it's been widely reported that this was, in terms of nominations, this was the most diverse Academy Awards ever mm -hmm. in terms of the kind of actors and the talents they nominated. 
So obviously, you know, Chloe Zhao made history by being, you know, the first, uh, only the second woman after Catherine Bigelow with the Hurt Locker. She was the, the second female, but also the first uh, woman of color to have won a best best director. And Noma Lands, of course, is an astounding movie. Mm -hmm. So she, I think, the fact that she in particular got attention, I think, was uh, was a big inspiration for me. So uh, I think, you know, the Oscars, of course, historically, you know, they've been criticized uh, for having been sort of this kind of you know kind of patriarchal very wide very sort of backward looking organization and i think as a result of all the activist movements and you know various controversies that have been stirred up in the last few years i, I think they're really now making intentional effort to diversify their membership mm. and i think the kind of nominations we saw this year i think that was a direct result of what they did in terms of really expanding uh, you know their their demographics. Uh, so I, I think it's it's you know obviously there's still a lot of work to be done right. and you know much progress needs to be made. But I think they're on the right track, and I, I was generally very pleased with what happened this year. But do you think the diverse list of Oscar nominees will be a permanent shift? Because if it's a one-time thing, I don't think that's sufficient. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the worry. So we'll see what happens next year. But I think, by and large, I think because of you know all the things that are going on in the United States politically and socially, I, I think now more than ever before, there really is a strong emphasis on equity, mm -hmm. on diversity, on equality, uh, on uh, basically you know really promoting talents and individuals who have historically been overlooked mm. because through no faults of their own except of who they are so I, I think because it's happening now on such a systemic level even though it's still moving slowly but because you see people putting work into that i, I feel like this shift i don't know how permanent it's going to be but i feel like at least for the next few years i think we are going to see more and more uh, I think results that that reflect the kind of diversity that we're we've all been craving for. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. My prayer, my guess is that uh, this will be around for at least a while longer. And as a moviegoer, what I would love to do is keep the Academy accountable for the promises that they made. Yes. And I feel like that's there is a consensus across the world that's requiring and asking Hollywood to be less focused on that patriarchal system. That is kind of of the past, right? It's a little dated. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in terms of keeping uh, the Academy Awards accountable, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a very good point because. You know, there was this whole Oscar so white, you know, controversy yeah. that happened a few years ago, and that really got a lot of attention. And that really was because of activists and mm -hmm. uh, people who uh, have a particular burden uh, in, in in this area. They really came out and uh, held the academy to account. Mm -hmm. and, and so, what's happened subsequently in terms of diversifying the membership? Uh, that was again the direct result of people kind of mm -hmm. calling them out. So, mm -hmm. I think it is important for. <laughs> For audiences, for cinephiles, for filmmakers, for people in the, in the industry, but also outside the industry to collectively yeah. uh, push for this. All right. I got a li uh, listener question. Uh, I don't want to throw you off. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to answer it. But Nikolai asked, what other recent or forthcoming Korean films that deserves our attention or at least based on your expertise, which movies uh, pique your interest? Oh, in terms of Korean films, uh, yeah. that's a great question. Recently, yeah. because of course, because of the COVID pandemic, yeah. a lot of major releases have been sort of postponed right, and right. Uh, uh, you know sold to various OTT platforms. I think a couple of the recent ones that I saw that I personally quite liked, I thought The Book of Fish, actually, oh. with uh, Song Kang-gyo, I thought it was a very, very good movie. In black uh, and white, too. Exactly. And that, that movie... Uh, 
unfortunately, because you know it's black and white, mm. it's more of an art house film. It's, mm. it's COVID, so it hasn't, in my opinion, hasn't gotten as much attention as it probably mm. deserves. But that really is a very thoughtful and moving human drama. Mm. And uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I thought Space Sweepers was fun. <laughs> I think there there were people who thought it was maybe too much like Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe a little bit too Hollywoody. But I thought for a Korean film, the fact that they achieved that level of special effects and mm. the fact that the movie. It really is just it's it's a good popcorn movie. It, it, it did is. exactly what it's supposed to do. And I was I was quite fond of it. And the thing about Netflix films is that it has that element, doesn't it? It's it's fun, it's engaging, it's easy to watch, some of them at least. Yes, yes, exactly. So I think it checked all of those boxes. And, <laughs> it, and it's 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 a testament, again, to the Korean, to the strength of Korean cinema that uh, it worked out as well as it did. It's a, it's a wonderful movie, I thought. Thank you for the recommendations, Eugene. And thank you so much for the interview. We hope to speak to you soon again in the near future. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Bye, Eugene. Bye-bye. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.